Our reading is taken from Haggai chapter 1 verses 12 to 15. Then Zerubbabel son of Shealtiel, Joshua son of Josedek, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. Hi, uh, apologies first off to anyone who tried to uh, join the service on the live stream. This video is actually pre-recorded uh, later off because I made a mistake with the tech. Uh, so here is me recording the sermon that you will have uh, seen if you did happen to join live uh, this morning. Um, for those who don't know me, I'm Tabs, part of the team here at Christchurch Southport. I'm a full-time youth worker in local primary and secondary schools, so I'm kind of used to teenagers. But Aside to them that I don't see, which many parents tell me about, is how ridiculously difficult they can be to wake up in the morning. I mean, I remember the older I got in school and college, the worse I seemed to get at falling asleep at night, and I ended up being a little bit of an insomniac. However, once I was asleep, there was no waking me. I, I had alarms galore all around the bedroom. I had uh, different sounding ones, vibrating ones, lighting up ones, placed all around my room. And if they did wake me up in my half-asleep slumber, I had zero willpower to stay awake. And then, of course, there was the sweet, yeah, stereotypically authoritative Northern Irish uh, voice of my dear mother. David, get up right now. This is ridiculous. You're already late. And honestly, the weird things that I used to say when I'd just woken up, confused in the middle of a dream that made absolutely no sense. But whatever I'd babble on about, I was adamant I needed to finish whatever was so important in my dream before I even thought about obeying my mum or my various alarms. Honestly, I wish my mum had kept a diary of all the nonsense excuses that I used to come out with when I'd just woken up. There's many prophets in the Bible who spoke instruction from God to his people where they were so slow to obey his word, it was like trying to wake up a teenager in the morning. Uh, and then when God's people finally decided to obey the voice of the Lord, they were pretty late at bursting into action. I'd, I'd like to imagine it was a bit like me when I finally was up, desperately dashing late to college, which sort of resembles uh, the crazy Mr. Bean sketch, if you're familiar with it, where he's late from the dentist and he, he drives his car whilst brushing his teeth and gets dressed whilst driving like a madman. Trust me, if you know, you know. And yet what we see with the prophet Haggai really isn't like that at all. 
the, the, the short few verses that we read today just show some real obedience of some very fast acting people. They hear God's voice and they get straight to work. Uh, we've been hearing over the last couple of weeks how Haggai was speaking the voice of God to his people at a time in history where they had got a little bit complacent, uh, a bit self-obsessed, a bit lazy, a bit focused on trying to build their own lives. They'd returned physically to their promised land after 70 years in exile, and they'd be given the chance to, to for a fresh start to, to rebuild. And what they hadn't really got right was um, returning to their priorities. Uh, like Ben challenged us uh, in our last episode, they let the temple, the dwelling place of God, lie in ruin, absolute ruin in the middle of their land, whilst living in their own wonderfully restored panelled houses. Then God, who uh, the God who ought to have been at the centre, had been pushed to the margins. And the prophetic message from God was to wake up from their own little self-absorbed dream world and to put that right, to bring their God back to his rightful place and put him at the centre. There's three things that seem to happen very quickly in this passage. Firstly, God speaks. Secondly, the people obey. And thirdly, they get to know the presence of God with them. So firstly, God speaking. Uh, I think this one is this is one of the most significant passages in the Bible for seeing and studying the effect of the spoken word of God. I mean, for instance, why Haggai? Like, we know very little about the guy, but do we need to? He, he could have been some mighty, influential leader related to King David's aunties, cleaners, granddaughters, Bessie May, or he could have just been an ordinary guy because God speaks to and through ordinary people like me and like you, even today. For those of us who are used to that idea, it's perhaps worth remembering that that probably sounds a bit weird to a non-Christian. Uh, or even a Christian from a particularly different tradition to ours, that God still speaks to us today. But we very much believe that he does by his Holy Spirit, primarily through deeper revelation of what we already have written for us in the Bible, but also in a whole host of other ways, which we test and affirm with biblical truth what is written in the Bible. For some people, it's, it's through words or phrases or thoughts that come to mind that we would never have thought of ourselves. Or perhaps it's pictures that form in our imagination that seem to carry a deeper meaning. For others, it might be dreams or, or visions or tongues or all sorts of weird and wonderful ways that people tune in to hearing from God. But the important thing in this passage is how normal it is. God speaks to a probably rather normal guy called Haggai. Straight to the point, straight to the point, Haggai gets to. He gets straight to the point. He, he heard God's word. He gave it. And then the whole remnant of God's people responded. 
obediently putting him back at the centre. The guard who had been pushed to the margins, uh, put right back in his rightful place. And the whole remnant of God's people were, were pretty swift at obeying as well. Like 23 days passed between the time of Haggai giving God's word and, and the building work actually starting. Now, 23 days, actually, if you really think about it, is quite a short space of time for them to draw up their plans, for them to get their building materials together, for them to prepare the site and all that, all whilst collecting their harvest, because we're told from the dates, that's the time of year it was. They had to do their harvest to eat so they could have the energy to build and, well, stay alive. They swung into action pretty quickly when you think about it. They didn't press the snooze so many times that their alarm tone became a lullaby, sending them back to sleep. That did happen to me once. Um, they didn't come up with all sorts of weird and dreamy excuses of why they were more preoccupied with their own little world. They were up and ready, ready to return to God, to respond to his word. And so the questions that I think we need to ask ourselves today, what, what is the Holy Spirit stirring in your heart as his voice speaks to you and to us? What impression is he putting on you? Uh, and secondly, are we ready? Are we ready to really be obedient to his voice? Because when the whole remnant of God's people obeyed God's word through Haggai, the most beautiful thing happens. Haggai gives this wonderful four-letter reassurance from God that just seemed to jump off the page when I first read it. I am with you. The same four words from Isaiah's prophecy that they would return to the promised land in the first place. It was the same reassurance to Moses uh, at the burning bush. It was the same reassurance to Job, to countless others throughout the story of God and his people. And it is a reassurance to us today. What is God calling us to do? calling us to build here at the centre of Southport at Christchurch so that he can manifest his I am with you presence to us and to those around us. That's not a, a nice kind of what, what nice ideas do I think we should be doing, but it's a what is God calling us to build and asking for our undivided obedience what is God calling us to put down everything else for? To not delay, to get up from whatever else we've been doing, uh, to stop that and to step straight into building for him. What is that? Because I believe if we work that out and get on with it, we will see our lives both individually and collectively as Christchurch so obviously filled with the presence of God that people from across our community will be, will be drawn to us to meet with him. Last uh, Monday night, uh, the, uh, the weekly prayer meeting that happens at seven o'clock at church, um, we did an exercise where we listened to what the Holy Spirit might be saying through a particular Bible passage. 
It's quite a simple exercise, which has the rather grand Latin name of Lectio Divina, but essentially it involves slowly reading through a passage, finding where certain words jump out at you and praying about what their significance might be, asking the Holy Spirit what it is he is saying to you. If you want to hear that explained much better, then I'd advise going and watching one of our previous episodes during our prayer series last year, where I think Rob spoke about it. The, the, the passage that we looked at was Mark 12, and it, it says this, the Lord, it's quite a familiar one if you know it, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Most people were, were moved by the call we feel God has put on us to love him and to love others. That, and, and that in loving him, we find the strength comes to us to love other people. However, I didn't really get that far. Um, <clears throat> I just got fixated on the first few words. Uh, the idea that the Lord is one. I, I know of one other person in the meeting who also uh, was drawn to these words. The Lord is one. I just, firstly, I just think that's incredible. All that we know of God, all that we see around us that he has created, the vastness of it, the detail, the beauty from everything above the surface out into the, uh, out, out into the possibly infinite extents of space, uh, mine and Hetty's newfound awe and wonder of the vast depths of the ocean, uh, the, the, to the finest, my, most minute subatomic details of it all. The God behind all of that is one. The, the God who is listening to every prayer across the globe, who, who knows every single thought and feels every single breath of all 7.8 billion of us. The, the, the God who's, whose kingdom is so incredible, so powerful, so victorious, full of answers to prayer, miracles of all shapes and sizes. That is God. That, that God is one. The Lord is one. But the second thing I think the Lord is saying is through this is to remember that this is the one Lord who wants to be at one with us, at one with you. Just as Haggai declared to God's people after they listened and obeyed, I am with you, declares the Lord. I am at one with you. This Lord who is one, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, so passionately desires a way and means to be at one with the imperfect, broken little me and little you, that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross. We use the phrase in Christianese uh, to atone for our sins and to rise again to new life three days later at Easter so that we, we too might enter into his death ourselves by dying to ourselves and then being born again into new life at one with this one Lord. How incredible is that? It's what theologians try to understand with all sorts of theories of atonement. What does that even mean? Well, um, a very uh, simplified 
tabs friendly, imprecise probably, but yet powerfully biblically uh, life-changing definition of Christ's atonement is just to break the word up from at-onement to at-one-ment. That through this incredible sacrifice by the one Lord of everything, we can uh, enter into this relationship where we are at one with him through this atonement. We, we can have him back at his rightful place, at the centre of our lives, God with us. All we must do is listen to his call to die to ourselves and to follow him, to follow his voice with full obedience. And he will come and be present with us. This is what it means to see God back at the centre. Our vision is to be a church at the heart of Southport, with a heart for Southport, a heart that beats for Southport. Seeing God present here at the centre. So again, the challenge to us all is, what is the Holy Spirit stirring in your heart as his voice speaks to you and to us? Maybe get in touch if you feel that God has spoken in to some way to you and share it with us at church. You can do that through the, the office email that you'll see at the end of the video. Or, or, and secondly, are we, are, are we ready to be obedient to whatever that is, to his voice? Are we ready to not just listen to the Holy Spirit stirring something in our heart, but are we ready to obey? Because what would it look like? What would it look like for the presence of Jesus to be truly central to our lives and to our community? Let me pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you speak to all of us who consider ourselves to be a part of this community with a heart for Southport? By your Holy Spirit, would you stir our heart? Would you speak to us? And may we be ready to step forwards with obedience to you and encounter your living presence in a way far more powerful than ever before.